It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton again in for Susan Littlefield. Don't worry, Susan's back in tomorrow as she is wrapping up the end of Syngenta Media Days in New Orleans. Continue to watch for her reports both on air and on social media. Of course, it's midweek. It's Wednesday. We talk with Arlen Suderman of Stonex. And Arlen, what a wild day in the trade, albeit it seems like two major headlines really revolve around the day. And I start with the most recent headline, that is the Federal Reserve. We're up another three quarters of a percent on interest rates, but the Dow shoots 300 points higher on the news. Did uh, Federal Reserve Powell, uh, the chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, did he say something to seem maybe a little dovish in the future? Is that what we're seeing now? Well, yeah, he's talking to the press even as you and I talk now and giving answers to questions. But in the statement that was released that the markets reacted to, um, the Fed had already, or excuse me, the markets already priced in the 75 basis point rate hike today. That was fully expected and priced in. Um, But what they were looking for is this pace of 75 basis points per meeting increase going to continue, or is the Fed going to start slowing the rate of increases? And that's basically what the Fed indicated going forward, possibly as soon as their next meeting in December, they anticipate starting to slow and moving from an initial jump start of their monetary tightening to more of a fine-tuning of the policy. And so with that Fed Fund Futures, which is the market's interpretation of of what Fed policy is going to do in the future, shifted from being evenly split for the December meeting between whether we'll have a 50 basis point rate hike or a 75 basis point rate hike, it went to more of a 60% odds that we'll see a 50 basis point rate hike versus at 75. So the market's now thinking that the Fed is going to start slowing the pace. It's still going to keep increasing interest rates, but at a slower pace as we kind of allow what they've already done to catch up. And that resulted in a big sigh of relief on Wall Street and uh, why we saw the stock market react positively, although a lot of the initial reaction has already wore off. So it looks like a little bit of a flash in the pan. Now we'll see what happens as traders dig into the data. That's headline number one. Headline number two comes actually in the overnight session as Russia, brokered by Turkey it sounds like, is back in with a safe haven corridor for grain shipments coming out of primarily Odessa but in the Black Sea for Ukraine. Uh, This is quite an about face in in what, almost 72 hours from the original statement when when they stepped out of the agreement? Yeah, it is, and it's a little bit peculiar. It makes you wonder what's happening behind the scene, what promises are being made, or what is going on to cause Russia to change its position so dramatically. Uh, it first started on the last Saturday when Russia said that it was pulling out of the agreement. Uh, Ukraine and United Nations immediately went to work and said, well, we consider the agreement still in effect and we're still going to move ships through the corridor. Uh, Russia then struck struck a barge that it claimed was just outside the corridor. It made statements about how it would not be safe for ships to be moving through the area. That caused insurance companies to withdraw offers to provide insurance coverage for freighters, and that essentially shut down the movement of grain. Um, That happened on Monday and Tuesday. And then uh, on Wednesday morning, uh, Russia suddenly comes back and says, we have written 
confirmation or written agreement from Ukraine uh, commitment that they will not use the the safe passage corridors for military action against us. Uh, whether that happened or not, uh, Ukraine kind of denies that they did anything. So whether that happened or not, I don't know. It's part of the fog of war. But Ukraine did a, an about-face. Obviously must be worried about uh, what the world thinks in its image right now is uh, weaponizing food, which is a little bit odd because President Putin really hasn't shown any indication of being worried about that in the past. We know that he's facing a lot of pressure at home domestically. He's certainly facing a lot of pressure on the foreign um, soils as well. But regardless, he now says he will allow the ships to continue to move and export grain from Ukraine. It's still not what we would consider to be within his best interest to allow Ukraine to be able to do things that raise revenue for defending themselves. So I have to still be suspicious. Um, but regardless, the market uh, did take out most of the risk premium that it had put in on Monday and Tuesday. And talking about uh, Vladimir Putin not having a lot of friends now in his third term, President Xi Jinping does seem to be one of those friends in China. And as we're seeing that situation continue to develop, I know you talked with Susan last week over Taiwan, but they're facing their own issues with these uh, strict COVID policy lockdowns. What are some of the latest updates we have, especially as they relate to a, a factory that's closely tied to U.S. consumer goods? Yeah, it'd be the Foxconn factory uh, that uh, one factory in particular there um, that has, depending on which report you read, between 200,000 and 300,000 employees, and they were operating under a closed loop system where the employees live at the factory, so to speak, for an extended period of time. Um, COVID cases were continuing to increase. People were employees were having to go through frequent testing for COVID, and then employees would be paged and called out and never not seen again, just being sent to quarantine. All of a sudden, it just boiled over, and then these employees just piled over, climbed fences and everything, filled the highways, fleeing from the factory. Uh, authorities have put down a total lockdown around that factory um, and uh, trying to send people back to quarantine. Um, trying to withhold everybody. But uh, meanwhile, there's rumors now that China may be actually looking to open its uh, economy and totally reverse face on it. And again, as Arlen Suderman with Stonex, don't miss a segment two. We're going to narrow this uh, trading talk down just a hair. We're going to look more at actual crop production. And that's all coming up in segment two on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as we talk with Arlen Suderman of Stonex. And Arlen, actually, I do continue our conversation back from segment one. There's just so much to talk about here. We are talking about the Foxconn plant in China, two to 300,000 workers, strict quarantine. But now it may actually be having China rethink their zero-tolerance COVID policy uh, with so many workers and probably their lack of work ethic and things that are going on. What is that doing to the overall economic picture in China, and does it have any relation to commodities? Oh, let's just face it, their dynamic zero COVID policy is having a very negative impact on their economy, and it's really struggling, and that's putting a lot of pressure on government officials there. Uh, in a, for example, we look at that Foxconn plant, the reports that we're seeing is that they've had to offer fourfold bonuses for workers to stay and continue to work there. 
and uh, many workers say no they don't ever want to be there again well that that's a major part of china's economy and certainly that region but if you have this at other factories as well and they have to increase cost labor costs that much that makes them less competitive on the world market it certainly hurts china's economy but it also impacts the global inflation picture and the global economy as well but china's about itself and its economy that may be causing them to rethink their COVID policy. You know, they just completed their 20th Congress of the Communist Party and with a commitment that they were going to hold the line on their dynamic zero policy. This may have been a wake-up call, not only to the cost of maintaining that policy, but also of the tremendous social unrest in China. Now, I don't want to give the impression that there's about to be an overthrow of the government. I think the government has a good handle on squelching any type of such activity, but it still does matter um, the level of unrest among the public, and they want to be sensitive to that from the standpoint of staying in power and holding on to their power. And so uh, there start, we started seeing rumors emerge on social media this week that the government denies that one of the group of seven, the seven most powerful men in China, has been appointed to head up a committee that has been formed to look at global COVID data and consider what alternatives they may have for opening up their economy and getting away from this dynamic zero policy that doesn't allow for any COVID. And uh, that would open up better trade and better production and just allow their economy to grow once again. And simultaneous to that this week, one of their considered experts, Wang Fusheng, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but I imagine he's kind of like the Dr. Fauci of China, um, made statements that were carried by state media uh, really downplaying it's COVID and saying it's a self-limited disease that is relatively mild for most people indicating that more than 80% of the infected people ha have just mild symptoms or are asymptomatic and they can recover even if they don't get treatment. And he went on to say that even those severe patients can also recover well with timely and proper treatment. So the very fact that state media car carried those comments seems that they are now very specifically changing their tone toward COVID and preparing people for a possible policy change. Now, that policy change may not come until the end of the first quarter of next year, so it may be a while, but that's still a significant factor. And, and as a result, today we saw those markets that are directly re uh, impacted by China rally. We saw the soybean market rally, soy oil market rally, cotton market rallied, crude oil market rallied all on the hopes that perhaps China may be getting closer to opening up its economy once again. And if that happens, we could see a real surge in demand for a number of commodities. And Arlen, I think we almost need to have a special on this one, just detailing more of this, because there's one question still here in the U.S. I want to get to before we run out of time, and so I'm going to flip gears on us. But I go here to the U.S. Today, wheat is down sharply. That's all connected to Russian news, exportability, and the global market. But when you look at the U.S., we're seeing a large portion of the hard red winter wheat belt in some level of drought, some of it in the most extreme levels of drought. As well, the, the wheat uh, condition index coming in this fall is one of its lowest in history. Is there any thought to, to eventually make that to the trade? 
Yeah, if we look at the data for the last three months, August 1st to now, we see that 62% of the hard red winter wheat belt has received less than half of its normal rainfall with uh, much of it much less than that even. That's very significant. First crop ratings of the winter crop come in with a condition index score of 281. USDA has been releasing condition ratings since 1986. The next closest lowest level for this time of year was 322 over the last two years. So the crops are hurting, but the market discounts that because it says who cares what happens in the fall at spring rains that matter. And that is Arlen Suderman. He's chief economist with StoneX. Do remember trading future and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their continuing support of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Make sure you follow it on RollRadioNetwork.com or wherever you can find podcasts. Podcast daily. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell.